This is Leaders Create Leaders, and I'm your host, Gerard Adams. This is a podcast showcasing today's changemakers who dedicate themselves to creating the best tomorrow possible with vision, with hustle, and showing up world-class. They offer advice, they offer lessons, but most importantly, they offer you their mentorship because leaders create leaders, and leaders are the ones that are impacting our world. Hi, my name is Sharika McDonald, and I am a leader. Leaders Creates Leaders means reaching back and educating the youth, especially as an entrepreneur. I believe that it is important to educate and empower the next generation of leaders, as well as fellow entrepreneurs who are on the rise. And this series has definitely done that with the inspiring Gerard Adams, as well as the many speakers who were here today. Being a leader is not just being a a boss or anything like that. It's truly meaning the people that you bring up with you and how they also excel in life and being able to teach, being able to wear many different hats and also continuously learning and educating yourself to empower others and giving them the knowledge and spreading the knowledge back into the community. I am so excited. I can't believe um, I'm sitting here, um, Miliana. You know, what is social impact? Yeah, I mean, it means so many things and it's complicated by social media. So right. uh, historically, I think a lot of these programs, including ours, were called social investments and then we had to shift with impact investments. But I think for us, the way that we define social impact across Prudential, and I would agree with this, is if we had one undergirding thesis, it's really that we want opportunities that are creating Uh, moments of upward social and economic mobility for individuals and communities. And I think that's really the key because you want to make sure that what you're doing has a meaningful impact on the people you're trying to serve and that they're better off after the investment than they were before the investment. So some examples could be if we're providing a loan to a charter school here in Newark, we want to make sure that they're educating kids and providing them with an opportunity that they may not have uh, with another alternative here in Newark. And similarly, like I gave with the fintech startups, we want to make sure that if someone is taking out a student loan, they are equipped with the skills and the supports needed to complete their journey through college because we know that that will have an immense impact on their earning potential and ability to uh, just build their lives. And so that's really a core part for us is making sure that individuals and communities are seeing the upward mobility opportunities for them. I think that's amazing. It's interesting for me. I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. And um, I, to be honest with you, like I actually never really thought about social impact. And I recently interviewed um, a gentleman. His name is um, Jay Shetty. And he decided at a young age to become a monk. And he ended up going to India and they actually dropped him off in the middle of nowhere for 30 days with just a robe. And I said, you have to figure out how to kind of figure it out. And he said, within the first week, you kind of have this survivalist mindset, which takes me back to like, you know, your background and, uh, and like my, my heritage too, like when people immigrated here and, and he said, you know, you kind of have this, this mentality of just surviving. And then you realize that if you provide value for the community, even though you started with nothing, if you just provide value for the community and start to, you know, work for them and help them, you will get food back. You will start to get shelter. You, you know, you, he had to go through that in his second and third week. And then he was like, then I realized that not only that, okay, I, I got this, like I'm helping the community. I'm, I'm now have this like abundance. I'm taking care of myself. But then you start, he started realizing that, wow, there's other homeless people that actually are even less fortunate than I was when I started actually are blind or deaf or missing limbs or, you know, um, 
abandoned. And he's like, and now I realize that I can work, provide value for this community and not only take care of myself, but also take care of the people that are around me that need it most in the community. And that story really hit home for me because it took me so long, like over a decade, you know, cause I always, you know, it started off for me as an entrepreneur where it's like, I got to survive. Like I got to figure out how to make money. I got to pay my bills and I got to like figure out how to make it in the world. And then when I finally started to quote unquote, make it and finally felt financially you know, you know, financially free, stable. I had that financial wellness in my life and I was able to take care of my family. Then I really started to think about purpose. Then I really started to think about this term, social impact. And then, you know, that was when I decided to come back into Newark and create a, a, a company named Founders that I was able to, to um, build while allowing the, the revenue from that to support a nonprofit that actually supported minorities and inner city children here in the city of Newark, teaching them EQ and entrepreneurship and financial literacy. Um, and that was the, the moment of starting that company out of the all 15 years of me, ups and downs as an entrepreneur, the moment when I really f- realized about social impact, it was the most fulfilling moments of my life, helping those kids. At what point in your career did you realize um, that you wanted to really be involved sure. in social impact? I think in a way it's always been there and you mentioned millennials and I think so many young people, whether whatever your age may be right now has had some desire to help other people. I think that's such a core part of many people's humanity. And I think I always knew that that was a driving force for my career. I just didn't know how to access it. And so I'll give you an example. I graduated college and took a standard job at a law firm. So this was before the the financial crisis. So everyone was happy and assumed that you would be employed forever. And I was starting to feel very unfulfilled. And so that job had no relation to social impact. And I started to explore other career opportunities. And that time, which was about 10, 15 years ago, you went to the nonprofit sector or you had a government job. So that was a time where if you were interested in embedding social impact in your career, you had to look at the tax status of the organization. Mm -hmm. And I looked into a few jobs in the nonprofit sector and it just felt like an awkward fit. I would have, there was an ultimate trade-off. I would have to take a big salary cut. I would have to pick one issue specifically that I had to be very passionate about and work towards. And it just felt awkward. And so from there, I used that to attend graduate school and use that time to just think through this a little bit more. And I did a master's in international relations in DC and again, assumed I'd be taking a job for government or for a development bank. And that's actually when I realized what impact investing was by pure accident, writing a paper for a public finance class, uh, which I probably Googled a couple words and came up with a paper topic. If public pension funds should do socially responsible investing. So my journey to impact investing was completely accidental through a research paper. And I think what's been so fascinating and we fund nonprofits, we work with government, we obviously invest in startups and more mature for-profit companies. But what I'm so excited about for the space and for social impact is that there are so many more opportunities for individuals of of all ages and particularly millennials to either build companies with social impact or to work for companies or organizations with social impact. And I think the the world is your oyster. So to answer your question again, it it was always there. I just couldn't find the right fit for me. And I'm a technical geek and I love Excel spreadsheets and numbers. And so I was able to really marry what I think are my core competencies with my passion. And that's where I am today. You know, one of the core words there that I think we both hit on that is, I think it's just so important. And I think when you tap into that social impact component, 
And I think everyone should tap into that, right? Like there's always the ability to some way, somehow help really provide value to, to your community. Um, and it was fulfillment, you know, and I think there's a lot of millennials out there that I know, um, and, and just in general, you know, human beings right now that, that really are looking for that sack of fulfillment. And I think social impact is a great way for you, for, for those to find that. Um, so I am curious, what are the key points that you look for in some of these potential investments? Yeah, so it really depends on the type of strategy that we are deploying. And so we have so many different impact sectors that we look at uh, within impact investments at Prudential. So we've had core legacy strategies for decades, including affordable housing, our charter school lending program, and our transformative development work, which is really supporting inclusive growth in cities like Newark and across the U.S. And then we have more of these emerging strategies, which are focused on themes like fintech and financial inclusion, uh, the ed tech space and education attainment, and then also dealing with resiliency issues around climate change and funding really interesting models like aero farms here in Newark, which is an indoor vertical farm uh, that we're really excited about. Fascinating, Fascinating company and a fun place to visit if anyone's in Newark. And I think what we're really looking for is opportunities that we think will really pencil in both regards. So are they going to be really good investments? And I would say at a high level, I think what we really care about is that these are the right types of companies or investments to back. The right teams are in place to execute, as I mentioned before. And then I think structurally, just making sure that incentives are aligned across the board. And so for a venture investment, that could mean that the founders have some money in the game or their compensation is through equity. So you know that you're all striving for the same goal. And in other deals, it's making sure that we're not the only one and the management can just run away if something is going wrong. And so I think what you're hearing me say is we're not looking at things that are much different from any other investor on what they would look like. Um, but I think we also just want to make sure these are the right products and the right buildings and projects to be doing. And I think what's made the impact piece critical and to your earlier point, um, with your other, the other, uh, entrepreneur you interviewed is it's often a collaborative effort. And one of the things I love about my job so much is that when I'm looking at a startup, I'm never coming in and saying, this is how you should build your business. Oftentimes they're teaching me something that I don't really know. And so I'm always engaged by that two-way exchange of information. And similarly here in Newark, when we're trying to build something immense, it is an amazing collaboration between the mayor and other local stakeholders and Prudential as a funder and other investors as funders. And we're really coming together to build this organically together. And I think that is a really core reason why Newark is seeing the revival that it's seeing now and why it's been such a success because of that partnership. Yeah. And I think another reason too, and this is like, uh, something that I I really don't talk about publicly too much, but, um, my father, you know, he was the one who kind of really kind of instilled this leadership kind of those leadership characteristics in me at a very young age. And the first business, the first company that I ever knew of was Prudential. (laughs) You know, I grew up and my father took me to work and it was, you know, it was Prudential Financial. And, um, it was always something that I looked up to and, and kind of just, you know, my, you know, my father was working for them. And I always heard about the the impact and the stores that they were making in Newark because my grandparents, when they immigrated here, they settled here in Newark. Um, and it's just, uh, it's, it's really exciting to see what they have done and what kind of, in, you know, investments, you know, is Prudential currently making in Newark and beyond? 
Yeah. So in Newark, I think we've really doubled down our efforts in the last couple of years. And so we're very proud of our history here in Newark, having been, been founded here. We were one of few companies to not leave after the civil unrest in the 60s. And I think a shining example of our commitment was when we agreed to build the new tower here on completely vacant land a couple of years ago. And in the last decade, we've invested a billion dollars in this city, which wow. we're very, very proud of. And so quite a lot of that has focused on uh, the bricks and sticks. And so really making sure that the downtown in particular, that we're increasing the density and building the types of amenities that are a draw for new and legacy residents here in the city. And so that could be affordable uh, grocery anchored projects or having interesting uh, co-working spaces for entrepreneurs. And also we have a lot of support in working with the local businesses here as well. Uh, so it's not just investment driven. We've used many philanthropic dollars as well to make sure that any of these changes, it's almost like change management for the city, making sure that these interim disruptions from construction or whatever it may be is really um, not affecting anyone in a deleterious way. And so, so much of our work in Newark has focused on redeveloping the city. Uh, and we've been really fortunate on the real estate side to be expanding that out to other cities in the U.S. So we have similar projects uh, that we're looking at in Baltimore, Atlanta, Chicago, and Oakland. And it's really around how do we drive inclusive growth in these cities and make sure that we are combating gentrification, building the right amenities, and not pushing uh, local residents out. So that's been on the real estate side. And then increasingly, we have a very robust portfolio looking at uh, direct business investments, both in the U.S. and emerging markets. Uh, so we've also done a lot of work funding uh, really interesting fintechs in Africa, where interestingly, Prudential's international insurance business has uh, some interest in. And so what's exciting for us is that while we may be looking at things from an impact perspective, more often than not, the investments that we're looking at have business alignment as well. Wow. I mean, you know, coming back to Newark and just being an entrepreneur here and seeing, I mean, it's just, you really feel and see, I mean, for those that don't know, I mean, you have to come and visit, um, Newark right now and just really see all the revitalization that is happening here. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, and you know, I'm interested to know, like how do, how, how does some of the companies that are here, um, particularly some of the entrepreneurs actually get the opportunity to collaborate with you? Yeah, I think a great example of that is a wonderful partnership we have with Newark Venture Partners. And so that is a integrated technology accelerator program and venture capital fund uh, that's headquartered in downtown Newark. And so they have a phenomenal 25,000 square foot space. Uh, they have 10 gigabyte per second speeds uh, for every computer. And that was a great partnership that we worked on with Audible and other uh, anchor investors such as Dun & Bradstreet to really take advantage of some of the core infrastructure in Newark that were advantageous to being a tech hub and building that out. And that program is intended intended to invest in and support very, very early stage ideas, provide seed financing and help build those companies uh, with its advantage being its strong partnerships with its corporate investors, um, including us, Audible and Dun and Bradstreet. And so we are, I'm at that space on a monthly basis talking to their team. And so while they may not be working with Prudential directly, I think that's a great example for companies that are either homegrown here in Newark or have a desire to set their roots here and be part of the city's revival. I think that is a great opportunity for great companies to set their roots here and grow. Yeah, I absolutely love that, especially because when I, I feel like when I first became an entrepreneur 15 years ago, 
like I really felt that I there it was really hard for me to find resources. It was really it was tough for me to find like men, the right mentorship accelerators or incubators. Like I didn't really know of any of those, you know, here and um, and now coming back. I mean, I also have space in North Venture Partners has, has graciously been able to bring founders into their space and just being there and being in this ecosystem that they're kind of at the center of here in this city is just like so valuable and the resources that they're bringing to these entrepreneurs. Um, in your opinion, what do, you know? What do you think? Are, are the, the what is the value that you see that entrepreneurs really bring to the table? I think entrepreneurs have a really unique skill set, and in particularly at the startup level, where they are both the visionaries and then they're often the people executing the ideas because they have such lean teams. And I think it takes a very unique skill set to be an entrepreneur because you always have to have your eyes on the prize and to be playing the long game. And I'm always amazed by the entrepreneurs we've invested in or that we're talking to. I, I see Gerard uh, wiping his brow now. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, it's always nice to see entrepreneurs that easy. you can bet that they have so much on their plate and they're looking at where are the priorities and the things that they can pursue for six, 12 months out. And that balancing act between what is urgent and what is important is amazing. I think one of the best pieces in, uh, of advice I've received professionally is what's urgent isn't important and what's important isn't urgent. And having that balancing act between saying you could check everything off your list, but if you're missing out on the big picture, you will miss an opportunity. And so I think entrepreneurs who have that ability to balance that, which I've seen uh, so impressively in our portfolio and in our pipeline, I think that's really their unique skill set and then building those core teams under them to execute. And then how do you think they can really leverage that? like leverage those skill sets? Yeah, I think just having the right people around them to help advise them and to make the right decisions. I think one thing I've enjoyed being on the boards of two different fintech startups and investing in a few startups is uh, you appreciate that there's never one right decision. Everything is a trade-off and everything becomes an informed decision over what path to pursue. And so I think the best ways that they can balance that is by having the right group of advisors or board members or members of their team that can help them strategize through those decisions. And ultimately having... Uh, making peace with the fact that you may make a wrong decision here or there, but if you thought through the process and took an intelligent risk, you did the right thing. I mean, this is so, I'm learning so <laughs> much. Like, this is so awesome. I know, I hope, I know all our listeners are just like soaking it in. You're probably gonna have to listen to this a few times. And, uh, I would love for you to be a mentor and, and really be a mentor for our listeners and myself. And I'd love to be for you to be an advisor and, and learn more from you. Um, and you also, I mean, you, you do sit on the board of two FinTech companies. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. What are some of the financial lessons that you've learned that aspiring entrepreneurs need to be prepared for? I think one lesson is the one I just mentioned, which is that there's just no one right decision and there's always a balancing act. Uh, so that's something that I've, I've definitely observed. I think I've also observed this more granular observation, which is at times, if you are perfectionist, uh, you spend needless amounts of time perfecting things, perfecting models, perfecting assumptions, yeah. and yeah. you get so caught in the weeds that you miss the big picture. And I've given advice to so many entrepreneurs to take your head out of the clouds and to really think about what resonates with different audiences. So, uh, for example, I'm not a data scientist. We work with many companies that rely on data science to grow their lending, uh, their loan books, and when asked to explain it, they often get very 
stuck in the weeds over all the technical piece. And I honestly, I'll sit there across the table and say, I don't get it. And I think if you're a good investor, you have the humility to just say, I don't get it. And you may not be understanding it sometimes, or maybe you really just don't get it. And so we've also been able to help either through as an investor, as a board member, just helping them take a step back and reorient their material for different audiences, because ultimately we want to help all these companies succeed and for other investors and other partnerships to get to yes quicker and not be mired in some of the complications along the way. Right. And I'm sure that helps them also just to get comfortable with the pressure. You know, I just, I really feel that entrepreneurs, they, the more comfortable that they get with the uncertainty and the pressure and, and, um, exactly what you're saying, like kind of take a step back and yeah. really just to tr- kind of almost trust the process as well. Yeah. I know that that's something. And that- one thing I'll add is one thing that I've noticed that's very different. And I think a really positive signal and so much more social impact heading towards the for-profit, uh, side of things is whether you're an investor or you're a startup or an entrepreneur, you are used to having constructive feedback, hearing no all the time. And one thing I've really appreciated and I've noticed is even when we're having difficult conversations or negotiations, more often than not, at the end of the conversation, both sides are saying, I learned something today and I'm better for it. Yeah. And I think that is such an amazing ability for people to develop both professionally and personally. And I think if we can have, I think that's also important for entrepreneurs to hear because you shouldn't get bogged down of someone saying, I think you should do this differently. And if you see that as a learning opportunity, then you'll be primed for success. I love that. And uh, I'm just curious, right? If, you're, if there's a startup, there's an, entre- an entrepreneur out there listening and it has that social impact, impact component and they wanted to actually get in front of you. They want to get in front of, you know, potential. How would you, what would, would one piece of advice that you would give them, you know, to, to be able to, um, to break that barrier, get in front of potential, um, or in just in general, right. And get in front of other impact investing investors. My advice would be to do your research, which I know sounds pretty uh, typical to hear, but I think it really depends on what kind of company you're building. And I'll give an example. There are many venture capital funds out there that are investing in business models across different impact categories. And so certain firms like that will be really poised depending on what your business model is. Whereas you're also seeing very, very specific ed tech and fintech funds solely focus on impact. So there are great programs like Axion Venture Lab that's looking solely at fintech, both in emerging markets and also here in the U.S. And so I think it, one, it depends on your business model and figure figuring out um, where you you best fit in within that. And then I think we're always open. We're answering as many calls and pitches as we can. And so we are a believer that uh, we want to find really interesting deal flow. And we are also fairly candid to say if it's not a fit for us, that we can maybe refer you to someone else if we think you're a good idea. But I would say hone your pitch deck, do your research, uh, make sure you have a good idea, try to get some feedback from people. So don't generate it in a vacuum and uh, give us a call. That's right. Make sure that you are prepared. You know, one impression, one opportunity, one moment can change everything. Make sure you guys do that research and be relentless to get in front of the, uh, the right investors. And, you know, one thing I'll add to that as well is, you know, it's about sustainability. Um, when it, when you think about anything in business, social impact or whatever, and I really feel that that's something I've learned and it's just like, how are you really creating that sustainability yourself for your company? Um, you know, I think that's something I learned when I was doing the nonprofit along with the for-profit. And I realized like it's really about, I had to figure out how to create sustainability for founders if I really want to grow future founders. And, um, you know, so anyone who's 
who's listening out there, like really think about that business model aspect uh, that Miliana is talking about. And you have, I just want to close it out because before <laughs> we jumped on the podcast, you had, to, you said an unbelievable like, part of your story that, you know, I, I want to make sure that you add that. Cause that's like crazy to me how full circle comes together. I mean, why don't you tell our listeners, I mean, uh, kind of something that you realized uh, after joining Prudential. Sure. So I'll give a little bit of the backstory, which is, I think, and one other lesson to entrepreneurs or to people interested in impact investing, which is really to find your passion. And I had recognized in some of the work that we were doing that I was less passionate about some of the work we were doing around education to not to take away from how immensely important that is. But I was really drawn to helping companies grow and build their mission. And I realized the reason for that is because my parents were entrepreneurs. And for them, what was game changing for them was not education. They were well educated back in Serbia where I was born and where my parents grew up. But what was game changing for them was coming to the United States and starting their own architectural firm. And that was really what changed the course of our lives. And a really important person for that was an individual who sponsored my family to come to this country. And we had always regarded him as incredibly important to our family's journey. And he's unfortunately since passed away, but I saw him last a few years ago at my father's birthday party. And he was this great Long Island guy with a big uh, garrulous Long Island accent. And he said, Hey, gorgeous. And asked me where I was working. And I said, I worked at Prudential. And he said, where? And I said, in Newark. And he said, which building? The big white one? And for those of you not in Newark, that's our headquarter building where I do work. And I said, yeah. And he said, I built that building. And he was a bricklayer on that building uh, when he was first getting started in the construction business. So uh, it's just an amazing example of how this has come full circle in that this man really built the careers of my parents and literally built the building in which I work. And Prudential has been a great home for me. I've been there seven years. I came there after graduate school and built my impact investing career. So I consider it a second home for myself. So uh, it's just amazing to know that someone who is so important to my family's journey to this country has also uh, in other ways affected my life as well. That's unbelievable how full circle uh, the universe kind of, you know, how it all comes together. It's just, that's really, really awesome. Um, That must've been a, a really crazy moment for you when you, when he said that to you, right? Yeah, it was. It's rare in life that you just have these amazing goosebump moments. And that was definitely one of them. Like you knew that that this path was just like, you know, it was meant to be. I'm in the right place. Yeah. And you know, last but not least, I just want to ask you, I mean, our, our show is leaders create leaders. You know, how does that resonate with you? The way it resonates is that I think For anyone who is a leader, I think one, you're able to recognize those qualities in other leaders. And so who else to tap the next generation of leaders than people who have already done that for themselves. And so, and I think what's been amazing is people particularly who have been entrepreneurs never forget the journey that they took to get there. And so they remember, just like yourself, you remember the good days and you remember the bad days and the treacherous days uh, as you were building it up and the unknown that you faced because hindsight is twenty twenty, and you didn't know what the outcome would be of your journey. And so I think for those of us who've been in this space, who have tried to help build leaders, who have had interesting career journeys, one thing I've loved about my world and impact investing is 
the ability to want to mentor people and to help them on their journey, whether it's to impact investing or to be an entrepreneur, uh, I think we're the best equipped to do that. And so I just hope we all encourage the next generation of amazing entrepreneurs and amazing leaders who can just drive more social impact in this world. Well, Miliana, thank you so much for spending time with us today on Leaders Create Leaders Show. And where can anyone find you? Is there any any anywhere that you would love them to come and maybe is there social media or anything else or in particular that they could find? Sure. Uh, I have a very long and complicated name, but I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. So feel free to find me. Awesome. Great. Well, Miliana, thank you again. And uh, looking forward to spending more time with you guys. I'm lucky. I definitely am going to be soaking in more of this knowledge and listening to this podcast more than once. Thank you for listening, everybody. It's Leaders Create Leaders, Gerard Adams. Well, leaders, that's our show. Again, special thanks to our sponsors at Prudential and the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center for their wonderful help in bringing the Leaders Create Leaders event series and podcast to life. Make sure you go to lclnork.com. That's lclnork.com for more details on where you can find this episode and many more exciting things to come, especially some of the future episodes that are about to drop. This has been your host, Gerard Adams, representing Leaders Create Leaders. We'll see you next time. Sponsored by the Prudential Insurance Company of America, Newark, New Jersey.